Good evening from Plug Hit Studios. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And this is episode 463 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for March 19th, 2017. A proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This here is our flagship show, uh, F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, and wherever you are and however you are joining us this evening, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, um, the Google Play Music Podcast app for Android, or of course on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Um, there are two ways that you can join us. First is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us and join us live in the studio. Uh, from there, you are able to uh, chat with us uh, and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. You can join us either on our partners at Livestream or on Facebook Live through the Plug Hits Live account. Um, Either way, you can join us and chat with us. We will keep the chat rooms open all during the show. We love to get feedback, particularly on the Pilch Point, uh, in which Avram will be talking about um, their uh, tech support showdown in a little while. And uh, that's always, like I told you two weeks ago, it's my favorite content you guys produce, so I always love talking about it. Um, and of course, you can subscribe. If you're not able to join us uh, live on Sundays, that's okay. You can subscribe by going to f5live.tv. And in the menu, you can go to subscribe. And from there, you can see all our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, our special events feed, um, First Looks, which will have uh, new content this week, probably starting tonight or tomorrow, uh, from the Orlando Regional of the first robotics competition, which was last weekend. Um, the 3000 Brigade and uh, all of our other content is all available right there. So uh, we definitely uh, appreciate however you're joining us. And uh, I guess that's the spiel. Avram, how are you doing? Good, good. I see you uh, got uh, a Raspberry Pi uh, W this week. Yeah, zero W. Yes. Uh, just today, because uh, there's not many places that get it, that sell it. Um, you know, now for those who don't know, the Raspberry Pi Zero W is um, the new, uh, least expensive, tiniest Raspberry Pi computer. It is ten dollars, and but it has Wi-Fi, unlike the prior uh, Raspberry Pi Zero, as Wi-Fi and Bluetooth low energy. So. Um, the, the caveat is unlike the full Raspberry Pi 3, it has only 512 megabytes of RAM. Um, but uh, so I'm not sure exactly what to do with it, but I know it was rare, a rare item because it's hard to get. Right. And it just came out. Uh, and um, in my area, there's a store called Micro Center, which there's not many of them. Uh, around, I think they used to be a bigger chain, and they're the only brick and mortar store, as far as I know, that sells Raspberry Pi Zero. And so, my family and I were out, and we, my son fell asleep in the car, and my wife's like, "Well, we can't go home because then he'll, he'll wake up, and he, you know, and he needs to sleep." So I was like, "Well, I always wanted to go to Micro Center 
since we moved here. Can we try it? So drove over there and the two of them drove around while I went inside and I was like, oh, I'm going to see if I can get the Raspberry Pi Zero while I'm here. <laughs> so now I have it. I have a regular Raspberry Pi 3 as well. I have some ideas of what I want to do with them, <laughs> but um, immediately not sure exactly what I do. I mean, I have my idea of creating a weather station, like right. internet station, uh, to put by my door. Uh, so one of the Raspberry Pis I have will do that. Maybe it'll be the zero. Uh, and the other one I want to use as like a little web server for doing certain uh, benchmark tests. Interesting. Well, I definitely look forward to seeing... Uh... <laughs> and what you work on with this made made a great deal of progress with my uh with my tapping oh if i pick it up it's gonna fall with my tapping robot here um uh, this yes. now is connected to the arduino board and it does work uh it will tap um it doesn't do much but it will tap it will tap a touch screen of any device and it will register so if you want to make it uh tap uh, an icon over and over again you position it right it will it will do it so Very nice. um it amused my son to no end but <laughs> i'm still trying to figure out what type of benchmark testing or something i could do with it um to make it to make it worthwhile he wants it to swipe which was something i tried with another arm and it didn't quite uh which was this thing didn't quite work well enough because it never hit the surface of the tablet screen or the phone screen hard enough um what I found with the with the just the tap one is that what's really key is that it, it hits the screen and then goes right back up. If you touch the screen for too long, then that's not registered as a tap. Okay. So which is true in real life, right? right? If you hold your finger too long on the screen of any touchscreen device, it considers it a hold or whatever and it doesn't treat it as a tap. Right, absolutely. It's a it's a long press and it does has different behavior. Yeah. So uh, so, you know, I got this set up. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Uh, anyone have any ideas of like cool tests I can run? If we ever have a phone that won't, that we can't keep from going to sleep, although we can normally do that through, through software. Right. Uh, I could program this to rent, to tap it every minute or something to keep it from happening. To keep it alive. So, yeah. Or same thing with a computer with a keyboard, you know, it can make it tap the space bar every, oh. uh, you know, every minute or something. Fair enough. Uh, we so. usually don't have that problem. Though. Right. We usually can do it through software. Interesting. Well, if you're in the chat room with us this evening, please let us know uh, if you have any ideas for benchmark tests that uh, that Abram can add this robotic arm to, because uh, we we've got this cool thing <laughs> to be able to use and aren't yet exactly sure what to do with it. So. Definitely. I feel like there's something out there. There That's has to I be. It, but I haven't figured out the exact thing. There, there has to be. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll come up with something. I, somebody will put in the comments at some point something. We'll be like, wow, I don't know why we didn't think of that. I wanted to test app open times with it, but I'm not really sure that it's any better than a human finger for that. Like, I wanted to be able to say, like, okay, I know exactly the millisecond that it hits, touches the screen. And then I can use a high-speed camera or something like that to know, like, oh, this is how long it took Gmail to open or something like that. Um, but I'm not sure really if it's any better than uh, taking a high-speed camera to having somebody touch the screen with their finger. So not really sure about that one. Fair enough. It would give you the ability for 
uh, repeatability a number of times that uh, a human wouldn't be interested in doing it. But yeah, I mean, if you're doing it a hundred times or something, then right. you could, you know. But someone would still have to go back and watch the footage a hundred times. It's true. <laughs> that's the hard part. Yeah, that's um, very true. If you, uh, so. if you if you placed the camera right, you might be able to do uh, uh, some machine vision stuff. But yeah, you, we're, we're certainly talking some complexity there. Um, yeah. Be, before we get mm-hmm. into uh, into the show, I'm going to flip a switch on the board, Avram, and I want you to uh-huh. tell me if you still hear me uh, now. Are you still able to hear me? Yeah, there's a little bit of hiss, but I hear you. Okay. The reason your music was so loud earlier is I had the thing set on the wrong uh, output for you. Now the music won't kill you. No, I mean, as long as the audience isn't here, it doesn't bother me. I hear a little bit of, like, cassette tape-style hiss. Got it. Yeah, that'll just be you for right now. Uh-huh. All right, and I guess uh, with that, we should get started. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. S- save up to $200 off select Surface Pro 4s right now. You can save uh, up to 200 on Surface Books as well. You can get two free games with select Xbox One consoles. And uh, you can get a Huawei Matebook right now starting at $399. All of those deals and more available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. That's a that's a heck of a deal on that uh that mate book. Yeah, it is. Just about half price. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Alright, so over the last couple of years, kind of the thing that has been uh the the one of the big battles between the tech companies has been the personal assistants, right? Amazon's Alexa, Microsoft's Cortana, uh, Apple's Siri, and Google's Home, which or it has a different name depending on its context, which is kind of strange. We'll just call it Google Assistant because I think that's where they currently are with the name. Um, Everybody has, you know, everybody's playing in this in this space and everybody has their reasons. You know, Microsoft is trying to separate Windows, show capability across the Windows platform. They're also trying to show off the power of Azure. Amazon, as all of their moves are, is about selling products on their site. Where is Google? Well, Google's whole business model is around advertising revenue. Google Home does not generate any of it, perhaps until now. So something strange happened this week that enraged the internet, as most things tend to do. Um, uh, When people on Thursday asked their Google Home for their daily agenda, Google read them, their, uh, their calendar, and then played a small ad informing them that uh, Beauty and the Beast was opening on that day and encouraged them to go see it. Obviously, the internet did not respond positively to uh, to this, and uh, 
all over Twitter, not Google Plus, because again, Google employees knew it was coming. Uh, but uh, on Twitter in particular, uh, people responded very negatively. And so Google, all of a sudden, like somewhere in the middle of the day, uh, the ad disappeared. And Google released two statements, both of which saying that it was not an ad, uh, but refused to answer the question on whether or not Disney had paid to have that little bit added to your agenda and uh, also uh, refused to uh, to answer kind of most Im- important questions. But in particular, uh, they, they did not want to talk about um, whether or not Disney had paid for the placement. But um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's uh, possibly a sign of things to come. So I guess what I'm wondering, and I, I have not at all looked at this, but uh, has the uh, the privacy policy or the the uh, was it the EULA for uh, for Google Home say that they can give you ads? I bet it does. I bet it's somewhere in there it does. Almost certainly, it's how Google makes money. I'd imagine well, that I mean, they're. I'd imagine that their EULA for all of their products. Uh, says that they can target ads. But, you know, thinking about this, it seems a little different to have an ad in your personal home assistant than it does um, than it does in your website, in a website browser or your TV or sure. your email or, like, all the other mediums you get hit with ads. Sure. There's something... First of all, it's unexpected. So, like, if... If they sold it to you and they're like, "Yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have ads. This is ad supported service." I think people would have the expectation, "Okay, right. When I do this, I'm gonna hear an ad." Right, exactly. Might... You're making you're making your buying decision with the with the knowledge that ads are a possible or probable part of what you're buying. Yeah. So I mean, all the people who who bought who buy those Amazon tablets with offers on them, mm-hmm. like. You know what you're getting. Uh, you know all the people who subscribe to what was the Net Zero or whatever that had ads uh-huh. on the internet. Yep, Net Zero taking up like a third of your screen. Oh god, was uh, so I bad. mean, like you knew what you're getting. You get your ad supported, but this is a little different. Plus, there's something very, I don't know, creepily intimate about your like personal assistant speaker. Uh huh. Having you know, having a device, possibly in your bedroom, start talking to you about a movie. It's it's weird. At least it didn't start talking out of the blue. At least they yeah. had to ask it a particular thing. Right. Um, you know, and and I guess how's the delivery of the ad? Because, like, if you're looking at it as um, you know Google as a business, as Google or as Disney. You're looking at it as like, how many people did I reach mm-hmm. with this? So I guess the question is, how many people actually ask that, ask for their itinerary from Google Home every day? Right. Like, do they? Uh, I mean, probably enough for it's worth them to for them to test it. I wouldn't be surprised if Disney did not pay them. And this was an experiment. And this was an experiment. Like, let's try this with you and see how it how it does. Mm-hmm. But still. You got to think this is an interesting question now because you want. See, 
I'm coming at this from a different perspective, perhaps. Uh-oh. Abram just went away for a second. He'll likely be back. He usually comes back shortly on these things. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, for anybody who's listening live, and I see that we have some people on uh, both services uh, viewing us live, do you have any input on this particular topic? Okay, Abram's back. Oh, sorry. That's okay. You went away know, at like... you went away at. I come at this from a different perspective. Ah, so I come at this from a different. My perspective is I'm a little bit creeped out by by the trend of personal assistance, which I know is kind of an old old fashioned way to think about it. <laughs> um, but it it creeps me out a little bit that you have this thing that's always listening mm-hmm. in your in your home, and there's no guarantee that it can't be hijacked in some way for recording. We don't have a lot of great guarantees about what these companies, whether it's Amazon or Google, are doing with the data. Right. Um, so it, it, it concerns me to Go- have an Google. Always- Google was just subpoenaed uh, over a Google Home at a murder scene. So in other words, folks, if you're planning to murder someone, don't, get, don't buy an assistant. Uh, but I mean, there were also was some news about uh, spying going on through smart TVs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the whole thing—don't makes... buy a Samsung TV online, right? So it all, so all that concerns me. Uh, the theoretical, like what's happening to my data, what's happening to like my intimate conversations with my family, right? And then, on top of that, it a little bit creeps me out to sort of have this like personality driven robotic butler or robotic you know servant uh-huh. um now i like the google one better than some of the others because it is the least personality driven of them it doesn't you know they just call it google assistant they don't try to give it a funny a cute name mm-hmm. like alexa or cortana or siri uh you know uh so they try to, you know, at least they're treating, they're not treating it like an, they're not anthropomorphizing it very much, which right. makes me a little more comfortable. But even so, I don't like the idea of this always listening thing. So, uh, you know, so right there, you know, I find it creepy and then that you're going to kind of break the illusion that you have a private communication with this device and it's your private device by throwing ads in with my ads in, I don't know. I, that really, that would really rub me wrong. Like if I, if that happened, if I had it and it happened, I would, I would not get it. I would, I would stop using it. I mean, that would really, that would really make me not want to use it. I mean, of course, some people said the same thing when Gmail started putting in contextual ads a few years ago, like uh, Google's yeah. reading your email. Now they're using it for ads. How can we allow this? And it's become such a part of the landscape now that nobody cares. So maybe this will too. My favorite part about the whole Gmail freak out was they weren't the first ones to do it. <laughs> no, but Whatever. Gmail's Gmail's popular, you know. But yeah, I mean, what can you say? It's uh I it's probably a sign of things to come, folks. Yeah. Almost certainly. It's Amazon will probably do it too. It's possible, though. Alexa her, itself is kind of an ad. It, like, kind of, its purpose is to 
drive business for Amazon. The- this is true. Well, maybe what they'll do is find a way of promoting other Amazon uh, products and services or you to buy stuff via Amazon with it. Yeah. You're right that I don't think Amazon would go and try and promote you doing something that you can't do through Amazon. Like, right. Go to the movies. Right. But know? but if you say, Alexa, uh, reorder paper towels, she might say, do you also need napkins? I could see this. Or I could also see her saying something like, hey, we've got a special on paper towels. Right. And I know you need them. Uh, so, you know, some would see that as a service. Perhaps it is. I don't know. Uh, we're certainly it's, allowing our devices to, uh, you know, to spy on us in all kinds of ways. And and that's certainly the, the theory on Alexa there is a bit more um, contextually appropriate. You know, you're going to order something and Alexa suggests something else that maybe you ordered with that last time or something like that. That that's like contextually appropriate. Whereas Google saying, Hey, um, I know you got a lot of things on your calendar today, but you want to go see a movie too? Huh. The, other, the other thing that gets me also is, and again, like I should get over it. Cause as parent, as a parent, you know, your kid's going to be exposed to advertising all the time mm-hmm. and you just got to train them to ignore it. But that like, out of the blue advertising like let's say my son was around i was like hey what's our schedule i'll go see beauty of the beast then my son is gonna be like i want to see beauty of the beast uh-huh. why would you take me let's throw a temper tantrum you know what i mean like yep. you want to be careful about where you're exposing kids dads now on sure. the other hand he watches things on tv and he's like you know he, he always says i want it for everything he's on tv so maybe you know you have to deal with that as a parent anyway, but yeah. this is sort of a little intimate. You're talking to it about your schedule. Right. And like you, the parent called it up. So like if your kid is in the room and now they're like, now you got to take me to go see it. It's a little bit, it could cause a problem for a parent. I'm the, just saying the robot said, we should go see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, maybe it's There's nothing weird the about I'm, that. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's inappropriate for the kids, but I mean like you don't want the you know, you don't you don't want your kid turning to a spokesperson, right? Believe sure. me. Sure. So, um, let us know uh, your take uh, either on social media or on the article itself at plugheadslive.com. Uh, we definitely want to know uh, your feelings on the story as well. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, uh, full uh, over-ear, also available in on-ear. There's the the Monster Blaster and the new Monster Rave Box, which is a blaster with a light on the side, uh, kind of a disco light type thing. Uh, it's I know it sounds weird right off the bat, but trust me, it's really cool. You can link up to 10 of them together and they'll they'll play in unison and the, the lights go in unison. It's a really cool product. Of course, there's all kinds of other uh, products in the line from the little teardrop uh, speaker to headphones and earbuds and cables and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and you can find out all the products that are available by going to f5live.tv slash monster.
And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram. I'm here. You are. I see you. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So what have you got for us this week, Abram? So every year, this is something everyone who owns a computer, which if you're listening to or watching this, you probably do. Probably. Uh, should, uh, should, uh, would, should have an interest in, which is tech support. Uh, every year at LaptopMag.com, where I am the online editorial director, uh, we we do a um, what we call a tech support showdown. We take the top ten uh, laptop vendors, and we come up with three tech support questions for each of them, uh, and we try to answer those questions as a user would, uh, calling for phone support or and using the website and using live chat and tweeting at their social media for support and all those methods to see uh, who gives you the best support. Uh, now, this is for laptops, but I'm telling you this is probably indicative of what you would get if you were calling for a desktop as well. Um, so in the actual showdown, which you can uh, check out at laptopmag.com, um, we found that, once again, Apple offers the best overall tech support, uh, followed surprisingly, because they have not gotten this high before, uh, by Acer as the number one uh, PC vendor. They did actually a great job of answering our questions. And then by Lenovo. Um, and then um, falling toward the bottom of the list, uh, you have uh, MSI and Samsung, uh, who, did, who did pretty poorly. Um, so to, um, but forgetting who won and who lost and how they did, which you can check out on our site, I wanted to, uh, talk about the other, another article we have, which is about how to get the best tech support, uh, and what we learned in doing these, uh, phone calls and, and, uh, web searches, uh, for, for one thing, what we learned is you're very likely to get an incorrect answer. Uh, 44% of the time when we made a phone call, we got either partially or completely incorrect information uh, from the phone representative. Um, for and th- That's actually for phone and live chat, for live, uh, any kind of live answers. Uh, for social media, we it was something like 47%. And for being able to actually find the answer on their website, it was we couldn't find it or found wrong information uh, over 50% of the time. So in other words, you've got about a 50-50 chance of getting your question answered uh, no matter how it is that you reach out to your to your vendor for, for help. Um, here are some things you could do to kind of mitigate the pain. Uh, one thing is make sure that you uh, your computer is under warranty. Uh, if it's not under warranty, they won't talk to you. They're going to ask for your serial number. They're going to check if it's under warranty. Um, and in the case of Apple, even if your computer is under manufacturer warranty, you actually only get support for the first 90 days. So they give you great support, but only for free for the first 90 days. The others uh, tend to give you the support for a year uh, as part of the warranty, which tends to be a year. Um, so uh, obviously, one thing that you need, to, one of our tips is, 
uh, write down your serial number, uh, write it down on something that's not on the computer, like a piece of paper or, or your phone or some other device, because you're going to be asked for it if you make a phone call or even if you use the website over and over and over again. You think they would have a database and telling them once would be enough, but I've had situations where you've gotten transferred to multiple people and had to tell each and every one of them the serial number. So you want to you wanna write that one down. Um, you want to be really sure that you define what type of problem you're having. Is it an urgent problem? Is it a problem that's hardware? Is it software? Or is it the operating system? If it's the operating system, if it's Windows, you, you may not get as good a response or they may not be willing to answer uh, because a lot of the PC vendors don't like to answer questions that they would consider to be a Windows question. We found that most of them will this year, which is a big improvement over prior years, but uh, they still may not actually know Windows well enough. Obviously, if you're calling Apple about Mac OS, you should expect a good answer. Um, so uh, obviously, if you're having, unless your computer is in bad shape or it's you know it's physically broken or it's crashing a lot, you should use uh, you should use the web first. You should go and look at the company's website, look up your the product page for your make and model, uh, make sure you have the latest drivers uh, for devices. If you think there's a question like your sound is bad, make sure your sound driver is up to date, your mouse is bad, make sure your touchpad driver is up to date, uh, all that stuff. Uh, and you you want to look at whatever articles they have on their website. And potentially, if they have online forums, which uh, about seven out of the 10 major vendors do have forums, support forums, look in there because someone else may have asked the same question. Uh, finally, you want to make sure that you, uh, you're critical of whatever answers you get, on, you get if you talk to a support rep on the phone or, or online. Uh, if you think, if they tell you that your problem can't be solved, hang up and call again and see if you get somebody else because we've found that you could get the wrong answer from one person and get the right answer from the next person. In particular, this is particularly egregious when it came to questions about the capabilities of your laptop or the capabilities of your computer. We had companies tell us like, Oh, this computer doesn't come with audio software, but all the Dells come with Dell wave max audio software. Or we've had them tell us, uh, you can't, I had another company, Lenovo, tell me uh, that the Yoga 910 I was testing can't charge devices when it's powered off. Actually, that feature is enabled by default. So, you know, a lot of companies don't know their own product. They don't know what software is installed. They don't know what it can and can't do. And sometimes, I don't think it's malicious. I just think it's out of ignorance. They will tell you that what you're trying to do cannot be done. And, and it may be something that's specific to the computer, like this USB port, you know, this doesn't have a USB port that can charge when it does, or it could be something that's an overall Windows question, like, uh, you know, a couple of people that told us there's no way to stop Windows 10 from asking for a password prompt when you, um, when you wake it from sleep. In fact, that's a simple, uh, simple settings change that's about two clicks away from the start menu. So... Uh, again, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta be a critical information consumer 
And uh, if it's something that's not a 911 emergency or not not something where you think you're going to have to return it for service, you're probably best off being your own advocate and trying to find the answer first before you uh, get on the phone. I'm I'm particularly uh, concerned about that 44 and 47 percent uh, error rate. Yep. Uh, you know, now for the live chats, to be fair, we got completely wrong answers 28 percent of the time and partially wrong answers 16 percent. What's the difference? Well, a completely wrong answer was they just like, no, you can't do this or no, this is how you do it. And it's completely wrong. Other times they would sort of say, well, you can you can sort they give you information that was sort of helpful or partially answer the question like, well, you know, you can you can adjust the volume on your computer using this, but you can't do it with that. Or, okay. you know, the solution to your computer going to sleep and asking you for a password is to shut off all password prompts. You can't just do it by you can't just change the saying that shut off password prompting for wake from sleep which you can. So they would tell you, right. they'd give you a solution, but it wasn't 100% correct. Um, so, uh, but I think the one, the thing you should watch out for the most, uh, and I didn't say this yet, is when they want to make a major, major change to your computer. That you, you want to be, if, if this is not a 911 emergency, you should be critical of things that don't sound like you need them. For example, for a lot of these things, mm -hmm. we had... Um, most of the time they want to take over your computer, which is fine. I mean, you should let them because if you try, you know, it's better that they try and do it. I mean, you know, having them talk you through it may not may not be better. But be careful what you see them doing because I saw them, you know, running BIOS updates on for a lot of the time they ran a BIOS update. None of the questions we asked required a BIOS update. Other times we had we had someone asked the password question, like how do you disable password when wake from sleep? And someone from Microsoft uh, took our uh, one of our staff members on a 45-minute odyssey of uh, enabling BitLocker encryption and all kinds of other features and drivers on the Surface Book that were completely unnecessary and unrelated to this problem. Huh. So, so, you know, now while none of that really worked out too badly, I mean, I guess it's not bad to have someone turn on your BitLocker encryption and update your BIOS. Those things are a little risky. Like if a BIOS update goes wrong, you could have a your computer could be bricked. Right. So if you don't need a BIOS update and they're giving you one, hmm, that's something to be worried about. Yeah. Or if they tell you to uninstall something, that's another thing. Um, one of my colleagues, Cherie Smith, called uh, Razor and asked them about enabling something with the Synapse software, which is the like control some of the the custom features like the keyboard lighting okay and the answer that she got was to solve the problem by uninstalling the software wait a second that's the software that you actually need to to do it and they were telling her to uninstall it so in other words be 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 especially careful when they want to make a, a major change like uninstalling a piece of software or updating your bios yeah, because those are the two things that uh, have the greatest potential of ending your computer. I mean, if they uninstall a custom piece of software like Razer Synapse, what, what, the biggest thing you're going to lose is probably the ability to light up your keyboard. And then you could always download it again if you Bam. found out what you're doing. But 
the BIOS one, while usually a good idea to update your BIOS, it can be a risk. Yeah. And why, you know, if you suddenly lose power in the middle of that, that it could be the end of your computer. Right. That's it is definitely a uh, a risky prospect. I mean, usually I think the rule of thumb with the BIOS update is first do no harm, right? Right. I mean, uh, so, anyway, so uh, you can read more about this if you go to laptopmag.com. Uh, you can see our tech support tips. You can see our tech support showdown. And you can see uh, our news article about all the questions with more examples of all the things companies got wrong. And we also have lists of all the phone numbers and support hours and support forums and websites for you. So uh, they're all in one place uh, for, you know, for your so you can find your vendor. Wonderful. That would have been a, a terrific piece of information when I worked in retail. <laughs> And 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 FYI, it's not. You might think that oh, I can just Google these numbers, and in a lot of cases you can, but you would be surprised how hard a lot of companies make it to find the support number on their website. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to call. Right. You have to actually fill in all kinds of data to just even see a phone number on most of them. They won't. It's not available unless you like register, log in, and answer twenty questions. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. I used to keep a uh, a personal list in my phone of support numbers for certain companies. So, I because after you go through it once, you're like, all right, I'm going to save that number so I don't don't have to do that nonsense again. So, well, and, go ahead. No, okay. So check that out. And of course, as always, you guys can, folks can follow me on Twitter at @geekinchief, where I will tweet about this stuff. Fantastic. Well. As I've, I said earlier and I said two weeks ago, my favorite content you guys produce all year long, and I'm so glad uh, that you do it annually because it's, it's something that I think is important for everybody to know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it is. I mean, I'm always interested in ideas about how we can do it better too. So if anyone in the audience has an idea about how we can like test returning something, we would love to do that. We have just not figured out a good way to consistently do that, like test breaking something and sending it in for service or whatever, because mm-hmm. uh, we don't have an army of computers, a fleet of computers that we can intentionally break without making them look broken. <laughs> and send right. Them in, uh, to see what happens. But uh, I know that would be something people would be interested to know. Yeah, for sure. All right. So if, if you have any ideas on how to, uh, to make that a reality, uh, Abram is available at Geek and Chief on Twitter. And uh, you can also comment on the video either in live stream or on Facebook Live, and that'll be a great way uh, for us to get a notification about it. Great. And Avram, as always, we appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you again next time. Yep. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Um, All of the gaming hardware and accessories you could ever want, we've got them here in the studio and in the office. Razer makes some of the best uh, gaming mouse and, believe it or not, mouse pads because there's a huge array 
of things that make a mouse pad either really good or really bad. And there's are uh, my favorites uh, by far. They've got headphones, uh, gaming headphones. They've got mechanical keyboards, and they've even got laptops and desktops specifically uh, tuned to make your gaming experience the best it can possibly be. To find out about all the products that Razer uh, offers, you can go to f5live.tv slash Razer. We like the, the Razer mouse so much that we have it in our gig bag, too. <laughs> anyway, um, so Nintendo. We all know the Switch is brand new, just came out, and uh, most people that uh, have been following the story are fully aware that uh, if you did not pick one up, for the most part, before most retailers opened the day of launch, you probably did not get one. Because they sold out at most retailers almost immediately. There were midnight launches uh, at many retailers. We have a lot of a number of uh, 3,000 Brigade members who were at those midnight launches and picked theirs up and were sharing images on Facebook that night um, by 1 a.m. from the game. So um, that's an indication of of a good launch, right? And uh, one and a half million units in the first week is the uh, the current number uh, that that uh, that we have access to. It's been compiled by a couple of different companies, and uh, all in, it looks like about one and a half million units sold in the first week, which is not bad at all. Um, the U.S. Uh, bought about a third, Japan bought about a quarter, and the rest of the world uh, covered the other. 43-ish percent uh, of sales. And um, he, the thing that's interesting is almost 90% of people who purchased the console also purchased Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, which accounts for 1.34 million copies of that game. Just for the Switch, that does not account for uh, sales on the Wii U, but probably statistically insignificant in the grand scheme of things. It is the Wii U after all. Um, no. Well, how many other games are there right now? I mean, isn't that the most popular, by far, the most the, widely considered to be the best game for it at this point? Absolutely, and it's the one that everybody was excited about going into the console. Uh, the art styling is unbelievable, uh, and it's it's the game that people wanted the console for. So it is not surprising that almost everybody bought it with it. Now. What is a little surprising is that Nintendo has recognized that people want the console. And uh, to solve this problem, they are planning on doubling production of the console over the next 12 months. Now, that may or may not work out in their favor. Um, obviously, one and a half million units in the first week is incredible. Uh, a lot of analysts are predicting that over the next 12 months, the console will only sell 5 million units, though. So doubling from 8 to 16 million units in production uh, may be a problem. Uh, it might be smart to, I don't know, try it out in April and see what happens. Uh, slow down if you need to. Keep it at that rate if you need to. I don't know. That seems like... A better idea than committing to 12 months of uh, 
of production increase, but whatevs. Well, as if I'm a consumer, I hope that they, uh, if I'm a, if I'm a Nintendo stock, you know, if I'm invested in Nintendo, then, uh, I hope they make the right call. Mm -hmm. If I'm a, if I'm a consumer who might want to buy it, then I hope they made the wrong call because that means the price is going to go down. <laughs> so fair enough. So you know, nothing like trying to unload something that you have extra inventory. Right. Um, Just ask Nintendo about the Wii U. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I see a lot of um, enthusiasm from people I know about the about the Switch. They Me were too. enthusiastic about it before. I know a couple of people who have it. We reviewed it. Uh, they like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> So I think it's all about with Nintendo, it's all about the content, right? Yeah. I mean, they're never really I mean, is they do have interesting technology in this in that it kind of bridges it bridges the gap between a portable device and a uh, and a console. It works very similarly to how the Surface Bur Surface Book works in that there's a more powerful graphics card in the base and when you put the tablet into the base, you get the better graphics card. So yeah, it's a very similar technology to what Microsoft did with the Surface Book, the higher end ones. Yeah, so you know, so they've done a good job with that, which you really don't get that with the other consoles, right. at least not yet. Um, but I think people aren't buying it for. I mean, the portability is probably a factor, but I think people are buying because they're Nintendo fans. Yeah, they're they like the Nintendo ecosystem. They like the Nintendo games. They like the Nintendo IP. They like Mario yeah. uh, and Zelda and all that stuff. So Because Nintendo consoles have always lived and died on their first-party titles. Yeah, really, because they've never been... I mean, although I have to say, I think the Wiimote was quite a, a cool idea. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of tempted... It inspired uh, Sony to create the little glowing uh, ice cream cones. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually kind of... You know, tempted to to get to try and find like an old Wii to play with my son because I think he would go nuts for the Wii Remote mm -hmm. for playing like tennis with it or something. But, um, but they've never been like they never out graphicked or out processed yeah. uh, the competition in terms of technology. They've they've been they're always been kind of a different proposition. So I think what's going to uh, you know live or die. The Switch is going to live or die on the content. Yeah, So absolutely. if they can keep coming out with titles that generate a buzz, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, then they're going to then they're going to be great. Um, it, if they if the content kind of falters um, and they're not delivering, then they're going to be in trouble. So it's really yeah. it's really kind of up to them because you're right. It's all really about the first party titles. Yeah, uh, it's not really about like whether or not they're going to get. Um, the next big Star Wars game, right? Whether Call of Duty is coming, it that's that's not what sells it. It's how how good is the uh, the launch Zelda? How good is the the next Mario Kart and Smash Brothers and whatever uh, Mario first party first? I don't know how to put it. Mario centric title comes out. Well, how good those are? That's those four those four titles are kind of the thing that determine whether or not uh, a Nintendo console will last is how good those are up front. Now, to be fair, that's a pretty decent strategy for them because PlayStation and Xbox, I mean, 
they're both good and they're sort of two and one half a dozen of another. Mm-hmm. Like, who's faster now? Oh, well, I can get this racing game on Xbox, uh-huh. but then there's this one on PlayStation. Right. You know, whereas Nintendo is just like, I'm not playing that. Right. I have I have this kind of exclusive ecosystem and I'm gonna promote this content. Yeah. So I give them I give them props for that. If you're a wealthy enough person, it, it make it makes an argument that even if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation, there's a reason to get a Nintendo Switch on top sure. of that. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, because you know PlayStation and Xbox fight back and forth, Gran Turismo versus uh, Forza, and Nintendo's like, yeah, Mario Kart, we're good, don't worry about it. <laughs> we don't I mean, we don't need to compete in that space. We're gonna come out with a racing game that's totally unrelated to what you guys are working on. Well, my son loves uh, the Sonic cart, like the cart race, other cart racing games for the uh-huh. PlayStation that we have, like Sonic Transformed and whatever, which they haven't come out with a new one in like six years or whatever. And if I if I got a Nintendo and he should just play Mario Kart, he would be like, "This is the best thing ever." If the Mario Kart is is significantly better, so I get it. it kind of appeals to the kid and two kids and the kid and all of us. So. Um, you know, uh, I, I wish them a lot. I wish them a lot of luck. I think the thing that they've done really well is kind of keep their walled garden. You can't play Mario games on the other consoles, right? You, you can, uh, on iPhone and Android Friday, Saturday, Friday, something like that this this week, maybe it's Tuesday, something like that will be on Android Mario Jump or whatever it's called. Uh, but yeah, you their stuff lives internal. And that's it's worked for them for the most part up until the last year where they've had some pretty big losses. And hence the Switch. Let's get away from the weirdnesses of the Wii U that have caused us trouble and let's do something new. And so they have and here we are. So um, good for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, GameStop is supposed to be getting some uh, some consoles in this week. Uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on the website to see if we see it show up. And if so, uh, we will tweet and Facebook and stuff about them being available again because they won't be for long. Once they're once they're available, they'll be gone pretty quick, is my guess, because they're they're going for. Uh, 50% more on eBay right now. So my, my guess is they'll be gone back at regular retail pretty quick. So This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the Professionals do it for you because, you know, that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to the beginning of the end, they have a little bit of everything. The way it usually works is for a couple dollars, uh, you download the MP3, play it along with the DVD, Netflix, Amazon, Redbox, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. But from time to time, they do some live events. Right now, they are doing a Kickstarter for the 2017 Rift Tracks live lineup. Uh, so if you want to see 
you want to add extra movies, now would be the time to do it. They've got a couple of goals, and if they reach them, they'll add some new live movies to the 2017 lineup. Uh, they've also got a number of uh, MST3K uh, riffs uh, from the, the Kevin era available and shorts and some really terrible stuff, uh, which is what really is the best, is when the stuff is terrible. So, uh, to find out all the movies that are available and to help back the uh, the Kickstarter for Riff Tracks Live 2017, go to f5live.tv slash with an X. And if you're interested in some of the old MST3K episodes, Netflix added a bunch of them uh, this week in preparation for the new episodes that uh, come out next month. So, anyway. Um, this topic comes around every once in a while, and uh, Avram and I are both very um, uh, passionate, I, guess, I think, is the, to- is the word to use on this particular topic. Um, so... Uh, Opera, which is a browser you may have forgotten existed because less than 1% of the internet uses it, um, last year introduced a feature into their browser, uh, a native built-in ad blocker that was turned off that you could go in and turn on automatically or turn on yourself and then you don't have to add any plugins or anything like that for ad blocking. And um, as it turns out, a minority of people Depending on the country, it can be uh, less than uh, 15% of people actually turn that feature on, which is fine with me. Um, but in no country does it go above 35%. Uh, and Opera, who maintains that the reason for ad blocking is to make the web faster, uh, has considered turning the feature on by default in future releases. Avram? You know, I'm going to take a more measured response than (laughs) you might expect. Okay. Uh, I think they're wrong. I don't think they should do it. Actually, 35%, some websites uh, have a lot, depending on how tech savvy the audience is for a website, it can be a lot more than 35% using ad blockers. It's just your side numbers for Opera alone with Opera's own internal uh, built-in ad blocker but actually there are sites that are, you know, with people who are using Chrome and Firefox, much more popular browsers using uh, Adblock Plus or Adblock. They, they sound like two different, the same thing, but they're actually two different plugins, one named Adblock Plus, one named Adblock. I think Adblock Plus is more popular. Anyway, uh, you know, there's millions of billions of dollars being lost in ad revenue for websites. Now, if you're surfing the web normally and you don't work on the internet, you might say like, "Oh, boohoo, these ads are these ads are annoying. I don't want them on my computer. I don't want my uh, my internet downloading them." I get where you're coming from. On the other hand, those ads are how the content that you view uh, gets supported. Those ads pay for. Um, to hire people. Content has value. People who write articles, like we write the Tech Support Showdown, like 
we would love to do it for you for free for fun but then we could then we'd have to have other jobs yeah there's there's we couldn't do it there's food so, and lights and things like that that so, get factored in so like subscribe you know some websites like new york times and uh, washington post and a couple of wall street journal a couple others have paywalls mm-hmm. even those that have paywalls they're not making i don't know exactly what the breakdown is but they're not making enough just from the paywall to pay their staff right you know, advertising pays pays the rent. Advertising pays the mortgage. So when you go to a website and you make sure that the ads do not appear, they do not get credit for showing those ads. You viewed the site, they got zero. If everybody if everybody did that, or even a high percentage of people, and now it is a high percentage of people, there are people losing their jobs today because of ad blockers. Yep. There are people losing their jobs today because other people who were visiting their websites liked the content enough to load it and read it, but didn't like, didn't respect the people who made the content enough to allow them to earn a living from it. Now, I, some people will say things like, well, I wasn't going to click those ads anyway. That's not the point. We get paid. I mean, sites do get paid more for people clicking on ads. Yep. They get paid a CPM, that's a cost per thousand impressions of showing the ad. So even if you weren't going to click the ad or you think you weren't going to click the ad, because who knows, it might have impressed you enough that you clicked it. Even if you think that you weren't going to click the ad, by allow, by not allowing it to be shown, that that website, the person who wrote that article, they, they're losing money. Right. And the money that they're losing could be quite material over time. It could be... People losing their jobs. It is already happening. Uh-huh. So Opera, Opera, you're making the web browser. Your web browser wouldn't exist, wouldn't have a reason to exist if there wasn't content on the internet. Right. While there's certainly a fair amount of people who are writing things on Facebook and writing forum posts and and running their personal blogs, I think that people want professional, also want professional quality content by people who are full-time uh, or at least part-time paid to do that work. And that's impossible without advertising unless everyone who visits the internet would like to pay subscription fees for everything. Right. And we know that they wouldn't. Right. You know, so unfortunately, and it's not comparable to television. People talk about television. Well, how do you know I didn't get up when the commercial was on and go to the bathroom? How do you know I didn't fast forward through on the DVR? Well, the advertising community who buys ads for TV and radio and print has doesn't have a very they're not very picky about about that sort of thing. Well, you know, this TV show has five million people watching it. I'm going to take it on faith that they saw my ad. Right. Uh, that doesn't happen with the internet because we have very precise numbers about how many people clicked it, how many people saw it, right. who blocked it, when it showed up. So unfortunately, just saying to an advertiser like, hey, we get 10 million people visiting our webpage, it's meaningless. Yeah, that statistic doesn't have ad does any not value. Appear 10 million times. Right. They know. So, uh, so ad blockers, whether it's built into Opera or it's built into uh, or it's an add-on, that you install to Chrome or Firefox or Internet Explorer or Edge, 
um, or Safari. All of them have access to to the latest uh, ad blockers, and it is it is taking food out of kids' mouths. It is it is firing people. Yes, it is. So I'm sorry if it's a little inconvenient to have ads loading, and they slow things down and they're annoying. And I and if you find a website where the ads are so annoying that you don't that you can't bear it, don't go back to that website. Exactly. They will learn the lesson because that's that's a lesson that 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 website proprietors and advertisers learn. Oh, people left the website. Our traffic's going down. Got it. They, maybe what, it's, what yeah, change what change should we make? And then before we saw the drop in visitors. And just like just like in the free market, the way the free web works is if you don't if you don't like the policies of a company, in this case the policies of a of a publisher, the way they do ads, things like that, you don't purchase their product. You don't support the product. You know, if if uh, your favorite device manufacturer started using uh, some sourcing process that you didn't like, you're not going to, you're probably not going to buy the product, but you're not going to go in to the store and just take it. <laughs> right. That That's the equivalent, though. Yeah. That's the equivalent. It's like, oh, I like this enough to consume and I'm going to, but I don't like it enough to pay for it. And what are you paying for? You're paying attention. Right, exactly. And not even, no one even is asking you to pay attention. Scroll by the ad if right. you don't like it. You, you don't know? have to pay any any attention to the ad. You don't you have just... to pay a lot of attention. But I get that some of these ads slow down the web, and oh. that, that is a shame. And guess what? Those websites are being punished because Google actually punishes them mm-hmm. if your web page loads too slow. Yep. Google is also pretty hyper aware of when people went go back from a search, like, oh, you clicked and you clicked the result of search, then you click the back button and clicked another result. They know that you didn't like the first result, right? And they de-emphasize that site. So exactly. there are processes in place, many processes in place for uh, reforming and punishing, you know, those who run obtrusive ads and or ads that are slow your performance. And feel free to to treat the free web the way we treat the free market. If you have a problem, tell them. That- yeah, I mean that's. That's that's good. That's being you know, that's actually being a responsible consumer. It's not now. Don't be a jackass about it. Obviously, be you know be a responsible consumer. But that's that's part of being a responsible consumer. And uh, now, I, you know, my final word on this, I will say, I really think that the browser manufacturers, the browser manufacturers, the browser publishers, mm-hmm. developers could put a stop to this. And instead, Opera's obviously doing 180 degrees, the opposite of what they should be doing. Right. Um, they should be not allowing any plugin or add-on that does it. Uh, and I say the same thing to Chrome and Firefox and, and Edge. Like, you, you run your extension web store. You could, tomorrow, Google could decide to block Adblock Plus and Adblock sure. and all those... And they would solve a lot of this problem. Yeah. Tomorrow they could fix it. You know, and and honestly, if they did that, how many people are going to be like, well, I'm going to Firefox now. That may happen. But then Firefox could, could say, you know, like, yeah, 
there's three or four companies that could put a stop to this. Yeah. And they, ironically, they're playing both sides because they yes, need they us web publishers to publish things. Mm-hmm. Like, without the internet, there's no value in people using a browser. Yep. You know, so it's, you know, it's it's kind of hypocritical for them to, for them to create to create these tools that allow people to consume content and then do things which punish and harm the con- the people who make the content. The people that they need. Who they need to keep making the content. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Opera is a minor player in this. Uh, and Le- this less than one percent. Help them. This isn't going to help them because if people no. want to block ads on the they, other browsers, they can. They can. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I guess that's that's our two cents on it. Uh, uh, I we we've talked about it in the past. Uh, we we wrote a little bit of a a manifesto about the industry uh, here, the free web dot rocks. Um, and uh, if you want to see a bit of a more detailed analysis because it's not obviously consumers aren't the only problem like Avram was saying you know, kind of everybody has responsibilities to make this work and so that's kind of all detailed there so you can go check it out uh, but anyway yeah uh, less than one percent of the internet market not really uh, a thing to be concerned about yet but you know if Firefox or somebody follows suit it could be uh, interesting it would be devastating let's put it that way yeah for sure This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. Play ad-free music for one of the largest catalogs on the planet, and you can listen basically anywhere you are, on your PC, tablet, Xbox, 360, Xbox One, uh, your smartphone, Android, iPhone, Windows Phone, Windows 10, doesn't matter, or of course, just on the web. If you're somewhere where you can't sign into your account in an app, you can still play it on the web wherever you are and you can download music on up to three devices uh sync it for those times where you're in a place where you don't have internet access or uh you've got a a limited data plan on your cell phone you can download ahead of time and be ready uh and all of that is available for 9.99 a month or for a full year you can get it for 99.90 but we have a 30-day free trial available to you right now by going to f5live.tv slash groove. All those flights to uh, to CES would be unbearable without groove. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, over the last couple of years uh, in particular, it's been a lot longer, but the last couple of years in particular, we've seen a huge increase in studios not trying to produce uh, new intellectual property, but instead mining what they already have. Um, Disney, obviously, is the king of this concept with a new Star Wars movie every year. And the Beauty and the Beast live-action remake we talked about at the beginning of the show, Disney has become the masters of, uh, of uh, trolling through old content to bring it back to life. But another company that... Uh, that's been doing some of it lately is Warner Brothers. They brought the Exorcist television show to Fox. 
for better or worse. I'll just leave it at that. If you're a fan, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, um, it's not the last thing that they're going to try. Uh, they seem they seem to be happy with what happened with The Exorcist on Fox. Um, and so the next thing they're going to put their hands into is The Matrix. You know, I have mixed feelings about this. Um, I was a huge, huge fan of the first movie. Yes. I loved the first movie. As, I saw the first movie. As most, people, it, as most people were and are. You know, over and over again, I was like, oh, man, this movie is so great. You uh, could just see it. You could talk about it for hours. And then I have it I on saw, VHS. Just and to then put that out there. I saw Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. Uh-huh. And it kind of ruined uh-huh. the movie for me. Yeah. It's like now I don't even enjoy the first one anymore because the second and third were so bad. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I have um, maintained that the second and third ones weren't actually um, a continuation of the story, but were actually a different movie that just happened to use the same character names and actors. See, if, if the second and third one never happened, then I really love the first one. But uh-huh. it's... It's kind of poison. Like it's like you ever see like it's like the the second or third movie. Just like it's like mm-hmm. Metachlorians or something. It's just totally like you retroactively poison the plot. You know, I mean, for because the whole thing in the first movie was like you know here he is in this kind of sort of uh, computer world, and it's very much like a things that you are wondering about is philosophically like is what you're experiencing real, right? Are you really in Plato's cave? You know, and then there's sort of this human versus machine dynamic. And mm-hmm. like there's Agent Smith and he's very mechanical and a machine. And then there's Neo and he's human and, and all that stuff. And then you get the second and third movie and they've done all this ridiculous stuff where instead of the Matrix being like a like a robotic machine, you've got all these Agent Smith is on his home. And then you have the Merovingian who's worried about his whose wife is a computer program too. And she's worried about him cheating on her. And like, (laughs) wait a second. I thought these were computer programs. They shouldn't (laughs) have these emotions, you know? And so like all that stuff just spoils it because the matrix was supposed to be this kind of monolithic thing that Uh human beings were against. And then it was like, no, actually we've got all these different characters in the, who were matrix computer NPCs or whatever, who were, who have different feelings and it was just weird yeah exactly and and neo had gone from this this very flawed person to a god of man and machine it was it it was bad i i didn't even bother to finish the third one i got halfway and i'm like this this is the worst of the three i'm done yeah yeah, it was, it was, they were all, I mean, two was bad, and then I was like, well, maybe three were deep. No, no. No. Kind of funny, because my wife hated the first one. <laughs> she didn't like the second one. She saw the third one. She's like, no, this isn't as bad as you think. It's not, it's not good, but it makes sense now. It's like, she said, her, her way of describing it is that what Agent Smith is, is, is a virus or a security hole, and Neo is the patch. Um, but fair enough. No. So so anyway, to get back to what the topic was supposed to be, 
should they reboot it or not? Is it bad that they're rebooting it? Um, if they reboot it and they don't and they do what they should have done the first time, and and make like a completely different story after the first part, um, I I don't think it's such a bad idea. I mean, I'm not I'm not dying to get to revisit it though. Yeah, and, I'm and, like I I could I could kind of leave that behind. Like I, I'm not like oh, let me get back to the, I you know yeah. Where's the Matrix? I miss it so much. Right? Yeah. And and you know after the first one there was there was some of that like there was there was some that's a fascinating universe that has stories to tell but the stories that they told after it weren't good and yeah now we're, we're not necessarily interested in hearing any more stories out of that universe yeah exactly like the first movie was so good and then I remember all the anticipation for the oh I can't wait to see what happens we you know we were at the, we were at the theater for midnight. So, you know, I disappointed. was disappointed. So, you know, they they kind of undid what they did, uh-huh. you know, by kind of making it look and it's very I think it's very similar to like Phantom Menace. Now, mind you, with Star Wars they managed to to sort of save to sort of salvage the uh salvage Disney managed to salvage it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, so here's Listen. here's what we know and what we don't know. We know that the uh, Wykowski siblings, because I don't know how else to put it at this point, um, are currently not attached. Um, the studio does not know exactly what they want to do. They are very early in the pro- process. So it's possible that we could get a Star Wars, a Disney Star Wars style um, exploration movie. Yeah. Don't bring anybody back who was involved with it. Don't bring anybody back. Don't bring Keanu Reeves back. Don't bring anybody back. Right, but we could we could see um, like like what uh, Star Wars is doing, where we could go into some of the the nooks and crannies of the universe. We could see what Neo was like. Why Morpheus? knew that he was the one right there's there's things that can be done there but there's also the possibility that we'll go exorcist style and uh have a tv series though warner brothers has dismissed that idea once uh so the likelihood of that is not great um but there could be a full reboot there could be exploration style stories there's any number of possibilities um but yeah Keanu said he'd be interested in coming back. <laughs> I have a good idea. Why don't they remake Strange? Why don't they make a TV show or a movie of Strange Days too while they're at it? Or Johnny Mnemonic? <laughs> I mean, how many? How are you, why don't we just keep mining his career? Maybe there's maybe maybe we could do. Well, at Point Break, they did another. They did a reboot of. Yeah. Oh, we could go back. Yeah. We could do Speed again. Right, there's another one that was trapped. Like, well, on the other hand, you could just the second one like was so unrelated. Yeah, but I mean, but like, why are there people who are like, yeah, I gotta see another speed? <laughs> it was it was like it was a decent movie at its time. It was a fun one off. It was didn't create a universe of right. like I've got to see another movie like right. this. You know, it yeah. didn't create a like oh I got to see this character again or whatever. So, I mean, I get that. 
I get that they're that they're trying. You know, every company is doing this. I mean, look at all the all the old uh, movies that have returned to shows. Yeah, Twelve Monkeys became a show on Sci-Fi Channel. Sifi. Uh, uh, time after time, the movie from 1980 or something with, uh, you know, about H.G. Wells traveling to the future to stop Jack the Ripper is now a show. Oh no! And I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for that. I'll actually watch that too if if I can uh, when it comes on. But you know the, you know it's so they they they're turning every every TV show every movie into a show and every show into a movie and you know. I feel bad for the people who are going to pay to watch Chips in the movie theater. No. I feel for them the most. <laughs> but, uh, oh my goodness. You know, every now and again, they hit the right tone, and you're like, oh, this is actually pretty okay. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to have it. I think, I think that happened with, with Star Wars. Yeah. But they didn't reboot it. They just kind of did a continuation. And they expanded okay. the universe. They didn't try and start it over. But I, I don't see an expansion for the Matrix. Like, yeah, I don't either. It just it ended in such a sour way. Like, I don't want to see any more. I'm with you on that. <laughs> and that is our show. Thank you for joining us. Uh, for those of you who joined us live, we appreciate it. There's been some activity in the chat rooms uh, and a surprising number of live viewers on Facebook. I'm glad that we have that ability to go live on Facebook now. Um, so thank you for those of you who joined us live. Uh, if you're not joining us live, that's okay. You can always subscribe by going to f5live.tv, click, clicking the uh, subscribe menu. Uh, from there, you can subscribe to all of our shows. Uh, F5Live, Pilchpoint, uh, uh, First Looks, our special events, and everything else. All from there. And of course, we're in all of the podcatchers uh, that matter, uh, right? We're, we're already in the majority of them. So for the most part, you can just search us out on iTunes or Podcast Play or wherever you are, you can just search. Um, we do not have our schedule for next week. We actually have a, uh, a wedding in the 3000 Brigade cast. So uh, we'll have to play next week by ear. Chances are everything will be fine because nothing from the studio is going. So that should make everything good. So we should be back, no problem, next Sunday at 9 p.m. You'll definitely want to check out the website because uh, First Looks will be publishing this week. You can subscribe to that or uh, follow us online on uh, social media for all of those posts as they get published. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Beaver. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.